What do you do when you're on the receiving end of someone else's boundaries? Hi, welcome to another conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. I'm mixing it up today, my friends. I didn't say another important conversation. If I had to categorize it, I would probably say welcome to a very human conversation here on Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can find out more about me and how to work with me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today's listener question found me on the other side of the series that I ran a couple of weeks ago on boundaries. If you scroll through your podcast app to a couple of weeks ago, you'll see that I did a five episode series all on boundaries. And I can tell from my inbox, you guys weren't such a fan of that particular choice of mine. Um, I got a lot of letters saying that it didn't feel relevant to the show. Other people said that it felt rather repetitive and redundant, that it was unnecessary to have five episodes. I'm always grateful for your feedback and I learned a lot from it. It's certainly an idea that I took and ran with before I kind of did a gut check or a market research check on how important the conversation would be to my listening audience. But I also think that the feedback I got about that series is really relevant to the conversation on boundaries in general because I think boundaries more often than not lead to really hard conversations and it's so easy to avoid hard conversations. And if you're a subscriber to the show for five days, it was kind of like pinging at you. Think about boundaries. Think about boundaries. What are your boundaries? Have you defined your boundaries? Are you following through on your boundaries? I can get how five days of that is really repetitive. It was also my hope and intention that those five days would serve as a foundation for how you move through the world. Because if we don't take care of our boundaries, if we don't nurture them and recognize them and own them unapologetically, then it is going to affect our personal lives. And it's absolutely going to affect our business lines, which ultimately affect our bottom lines. So what we really need to do is make sure we're owning and respecting them. Granted, maybe we never need to talk about them for another (laughs) five months or so, um, depending on the listener questions that come in. But even though it wasn't the most popular series, I do hope that you found some good takeaways in that discussion. And I'm hoping too that you'll listen in to one more conversation about boundaries because our listeners really could use some help and support and I'm going to do my best to offer it on the other side of her letter because what we're dealing with today is what do you do when you're on the receiving end of someone's boundaries? I spent a lot of time in the series talking about how to set a boundary, how to uh, you know adhere to a boundary, but when you're the recipient of someone else's boundaries and a wall has been be- put between you and the other person? What do you do with all the things you want to say? What do you do with all the wishes and the goals and the coulda, shoulda, wouldas you have? Where do you put them and how do you stop letting them haunt you? That's where today's listener finds us as she manages the boundary that's been set by her daughter. So let's listen in and I'll find you all on the other side. Heather, I listened to your series on boundaries. Some episodes I listened to more than once and I was crying through most of them because it was so clear to me. I am on the receiving end of someone else's boundaries. My daughter is keeping me away from her for good reason. She deserves so much better than what she got as a mom. I am an alcoholic and was... 
drinking for majority of her childhood. When she was nine, my husband divorced me and was granted full custody. I was granted weekly visitation, but my daughter never wanted to come. She'd be crying when I picked her up, wouldn't make eye contact, and would move away from my affection. Our visits became too painful for both of us, so I let her live her life with her father and be happy. I went to rehab, got clean relapsed, got clean again, then entered rehab for the third and final time after yet another relapse. I've been sober since my daughter was 13. Her father was gracious and joined me in family therapy with my daughter during my last rehab stint, and I was able to complete my steps and accept responsibility for failing them both. My daughter, age 13, told me she forgave me, but she would never forget, and she asked me to keep letting it be just her and her dad. I was not present for her high school graduation, her college graduation, her wedding, or the birth of my grandson. I have lost out on all of life with her. All of this I own and I accept, but the ache never goes away. I've put in a lot of time, have built a good life, and here, time served doesn't matter. I see from your teaching that she's keeping a boundary with me, and you have helped me understand why a little more. Where I am lost is wondering what people who receive boundaries are supposed to do now. Where do we put our love, our thoughts, and our words? I've worked hard to stop hating myself for this decades-long reminder of my failure is an ache that doesn't ever leave. She has found peace with her distance. I choose to respect that. It's the least I can do for years of abuse and neglect. I just want to find my own peace too. Okay, first of all, I, I just, I want to appreciate the vulnerability of the share here. Um, this human stuff is messy and we are all perfectly imperfect, but it is not easy to take our imperfection and put it in front of a listening audience and say, here, here I am, judge me all you want. I, you know, I just, I thank you for putting your trust in me. I thank you for reaching out. And I really do hope that I can help you find a way through this. I know that with this many years past, um, that you have probably done your own fair share of work. You've already had your own conversations with therapists and counselors and, and sponsors and all of that. So I'm sure that, you know, you're coming to the party a little bit informed here. But one of the things that I want to first do for you is just validate that when we show up, when we make amends, when we own responsibility for our behavior, it is realistic to assume that not only will we, we be granted forgiveness, that we might be granted a second chance. I don't blame you for still having your hope. I don't blame you for wanting more, for feeling like you paid your dues, for feeling like after all these years of sobriety, maybe you could get a second chance. I don't hear any of that in your letter. I just want you to know from me that it's okay if you still think and feel that way because I think sometimes when we failed so deeply and so greatly, we think we don't get to hope. And we think that that's what we've given up with all of our previous choices. But what I'm really hearing from you is that you are trying to find a way to make peace with your past so that it doesn't haunt you and it doesn't sort of just stalk you in the least you know, the least sort of desirable moments and in your loneliest times and in your loneliest days. And I want you to hear too that, you know, your success here um, in rebuilding a life and in respecting your daughter is a really good 
gift that you have given her. Because when you were drinking and when you weren't taking care of her, when she was left on her own because of an alcoholic mother, you took that control away from her. You took away that option and she was no longer able to have it. She didn't get to say when. She didn't get to say where. She didn't get to say how much. In the face of alcoholism, she had no control. So since you've been sober, you have been giving her control over her life by respecting her boundary, by staying away and recognizing that she gets to live her life on her terms. I can't tell you what a gift that is. And so when you're thinking about where you put your love, where you put your thoughts, your words, and your actions, I want you to see that in not doing anything, you've given her a really great gift. You've respected her boundary and you've stayed away. So I want you to see that as a loving gesture, not as you biding your time, not as you doing your penance, but saying someone doesn't want to be close to me because I haven't made being close to me safe for them. So I'm going to stay away. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to people who work really hard to set their boundaries with dysfunctional family members, with people who are ill or struggling with substance abuse and the addict simply just, you know, brushes on by the boundary, pretends it isn't there, tries to knock it down and blames the person setting the boundary for all of the reasons why the relationship is wrong in the first place. I want you to see how well you've loved your daughter, even though you haven't been present for her life. I want you to see too that, you know, one of the things I say, one of the core tenets I used to talk about more often in my mental health therapy practice than I, you know, have the opportunity to do now that, you know, now that I do mindset and stuff with business owners. But one of the things that I always say is that, you know, we're not always um, given the parents we deserve, um, that we are not always given the needs that we have. So for example, for a daughter, you know, she didn't get the mother she deserved. She deserved a mother who was predictable. She deserved a mother who was consistent. She deserved a mother who could keep her safe and she didn't get that. And if your daughter was the client of mine, that's what I would be saying. Saying, listen, your mom wasn't able to show up. She had illness. She chose her illness over you, etc., etc., etc. And then the next thing I would say to her is, but you still need to be mothered. You still need unconditional love. You still need to feel secure, taken care of, and adored. And it seems as though your dad is doing a good job. But if you ever need that to come from someone else, you're going to have to accept that your mother can't give that to you or won't give that to you. And you're going to have to find that somewhere else. I know that that's not identically your story. I know that from your perspective and your experience, you are capable of offering her better mothering after you got clean. But for her and in her story, you know, just to keep it kind of general enough for you to understand where I'm going with this, we're going to leave it there. But what I want to say to you is that that is absolutely true for you too, that you still have this desire to mother. You still have this desire to nurture. You still have this desire to give and to share the best parts of you with someone else. And right now it can't be your daughter. She's not capable of that. Perhaps she's not willing. Perhaps she's too scared. But for whatever reason, she can't be your daughter right now.
and you have all of this love, all of this nurturance, all of this insight, all of this experience, and there's other people out there whose moms stop being their moms and they still need mothering. And I'm not talking about foster care. I'm not talking about adoption. I'm talking about other adult humans moving through the world who need another adult human to give them a second chance. I'm, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I'm specifically thinking of is I just saw this thing on Facebook the other day where this woman was wearing this rainbow t-shirt and said free mom hugs. And she was telling the story about how she goes to the gay pride parades and she wears these t-shirts. And so for anybody whose mom or parent has rejected them, she gives a free mom hug. <laughs> I can't even tell the story without crying. My eyes are, my eyes welled up on Facebook when I read it. Now they're welling up all over again. But the thing is, is like you have a lot of mothering left to give and your daughter has found peace by not accepting it from you, but there's so many messy humans out there, my friend, who who could use your love, who could use your company, who could use your wisdom and your solace and your comfort. And instead of, you know, looking longingly at the wall, maybe part of acceptance is finding out who needs you now, who can accept you as you are now with your human messiness. But there's so many hurting adults and you've probably, you know, seen them in rehab. I don't know if you've ever been a sponsor, but maybe it's time for you to be someone else's sponsor, or perhaps you want to, um, you know, find a volunteer opportunity or a place to put your compassion, your love, and your nurturance in a way that feels consistent with you and how you move through the world. And, you know, it's, Every day, you know, my story about you, and I don't know if this is true, but I imagine that there are regular times in your life where you have to talk yourself out of pestering her, where you have to stop yourself from reaching out or stalking her on Facebook or invading her boundary. And, you know, because it's probably so painful for you to still be away from her after all of this time spent living sober, that you never got another chance. And I imagine that those thoughts and those feelings need to go somewhere. So one of the things that I used to suggest to therapy clients, and I'm going to suggest to you now, is that you start writing her letters. Not the kind of letters you're actually going to put in the mail and send, but to get the thoughts and the feelings out from your head, out from your body, out from like your bones and your muscles and being held with such tension inside you and just release it. And that might mean that some days you're yelling at her because you're so mad that after all this time you still don't get a second chance and maybe another letter is going to be asking for forgiveness for the umpteenth time maybe another letter is going to be asking her about her life and what she's doing and what her life is like and what her favorite thing about being a mom is and what her least favorite thing about being a mom is and maybe you know you'll you'll just ask questions or you'll share your life or you'll tell stories but if you can get those thoughts and feelings and words out of you you can stop trying to talk yourself out of contacting her because you will start to get the release. The other thing I would start to think about for yourself is, you know, what have you learned from this? Has it, has it made you bigger or better in any way? What are the gifts that are on the underbelly 
of all of this pain because this is where you have an opportunity to teach other people. And maybe it's going to be a sharing a story in an AA meeting. Maybe it's going to be, you know, like going and doing a talk at some sort of recovery program. But my guess is that you have learned from this experience and it might be your ability to help other moms understand this, helping other moms like who have made these choices and who are receiving these limits and boundaries from their kids. Perhaps you're going to be talking to other daughters who are trying to find their way, but you have all of these thoughts and feelings and experiences, and I I don't think they should just lay dormant in you. I think, you know, you got to release some of them and get them out and, you know, just write her letters as you feel like you have something to say and you don't send them, but you get them out from inside you and you just release them. But then like when you think about the love and the lessons and the support and all of the longing you have, like they need to go somewhere and maybe you're going to find your own free mom hug t-shirt and start showing up and giving love to other kids whose moms have, you know, sort of moved on from them and denied, you know, love and affection. Maybe you're going to go and speak at a rehab meeting. Like I, I think that there's a lot of options, but what's really hard about choosing that option is it means making it final or accepting that your daughter's never going to change her mind. Now you, you know, she's gotten married, you know, she has a son. So my guess is that if you know about her, she knows about you. And she knows that you're sober and she knows that you've been clean and she probably knows a little bit about your life. At any point in time, she can find you and can reach out. Or if you, all you have to do, if you're really like insistent on staying away and in respecting her boundary, is simply make sure that anybody who mutually knows you and her knows that you are open to contact with her. That way, should she talk to an aunt, should she talk to a cousin, should she talk to her dad, whoever she might talk to, if she ever starts to wonder about contact with you or wants to reconnect, the people you mutually know will be able to tell her, you know, in that moment, not ahead of time, not to violate a boundary, but in that moment to say, you know, I've heard from your mom and she would love nothing more than to hear from you so that you know you've left the avenue open and the door open and it frees you up to to see what's, you know, what opportunities are open for you. Because I think sometimes we don't move on and we don't find a plan B because we're so afraid of what happens if they come back or we think if we move on and we seem okay, that they're going to think that we don't care, that we don't love them, that we don't miss them. So, you know, as a result, there's this tendency to stay stuck and frozen because we're so worried about how any other behavior is going to be received or you know, sort of understood. What I would really be doing is thinking about what have you learned from this experience? What do other people need to know from this experience? And who needs your love the most now? Like it could be a shelter dog. It could be, you know, babies in a NICU who need um, skin to skin therapy. There's so many options for you, but it does mean recognizing and accepting that it's not going to come from your daughter. And I think sometimes that's why we hesitate 
on that plan B because we don't want that part to be true. But for now, there's nothing in the water. There's nothing in the tea leaves here that says she might change her mind sometime soon. And you really do deserve love in your life. You deserve to have somebody benefit from your the presence of your company. You deserve a second chance. You deserve somebody who can see you and meet you where you're at today. I understand why it can't be your daughter, but that doesn't mean that it can't be someone else who is in need of love or who they themselves have more love to give. Um, this isn't going to be easy and you're going to be on this journey probably your entire life, but you don't have to be sitting and spinning you know, with empty arms. I, I think there's a lot of hurting humans that would really love a hug right now. And so that's, that's my challenge to you, to hold the sadness, to hold the openness and the hope that your daughter might change her mind and come back, but to also let yourself love and be loved. Thank you so much for your letter. Um, I, I really hope it helps. I, I hope that you you have solace here, that you find, find some answers here. And thank you for the privilege of keeping you company on your journey. I'm so glad that the series resonated with you and that you came to more understanding. And maybe through answering this question, I helped you find a little more peace. Thank you so much to everyone listening. I appreciate you all so much. We're going to keep having important conversations. We're going to keep having messy conversations and we're going to keep being human here on Business Mindset Mastery. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.